when we sell from fear, it doesn't, you know, it feels like we need to prove ourselves. There's a lot of, you know, need to please or perfection. There might be even that sense of fear of missing out. I got to, I got to do this because you know what? Other people are going to get in on it before I do. So I got to make my mark. Or So when we notice fear in our paradigm, when we're selling, that's a telltale sign that we're not selling from love. And then how do we come back to the core of the principles of what it means to sell from love? Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Now, here is Kathleen. Today I am with Finka Yurkovic. She is an author, international speaker, workshop leader, and coach. She is the president of Finka Communications, where she consults with clients in the area of personal branding, leadership, sales, client experience, and employee engagement. She happens to be a friend and colleague of mine. I met her in 2018 when we were on the live speaking conference circuit for a women's conference, and we really hit it off. And at that time, she talked to me about a book she was thinking about writing. And today, I am happy to report that that book was released last November. Her book is called Sell from Love. Love yourself, love your client, love your author. So welcome, Finka, to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk about this new project of yours. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen. I am super excited and elated to be here with you. I'm going to just go back really quickly to that moment, 2018, and we were at the conference, and I remember us, I don't know if it was like a, it was a, it was a table full of food, I'll lie, that's what I know, <laughs> food, and I'm trying to remember, was it coffee or wine? Um, I'm sure it was wine, that's probably I know, what I remember. That's what I'm thinking too, and I, I told you, you know, it was funny, when I wanted to write a book. I had the deep, this deep idea inside of me and it took me, I'm going to say, I'm almost embarrassed to say years to actually speak it out loud. And you were one of the first people that I will say that I felt comfortable and comfortable enough and courageous enough to express that I was in, wanting to write a book, that I was willing to say it out loud and you were one of those people. So thank you for being that person because I think part of bringing out ideas, um, especially projects like a book in a book form, having people around you that you can articulate them to is part of the process on getting it to come to fruition. So I'm going to say thank you so much for being that person for me. Oh, that's really sweet. I didn't know that. I mm -hmm. love that because I certainly have had people do that for me as well. So that's really great. I mean, I was so excited when I saw it in print and I actually have my copy sitting right here. And the book is so you. But before we get into the topic, I want to know beyond like having a sounding board and having the ideas percolate. I know there's a lot of people out there that want to write books. So what made you decide to actually take the leap and do it? Because I know what a big undertaking it is. So part of the reason was I really started to look at, you know, I've, I've come from financial services well over two decades in that industry. And then as a business owner since 2013 and really reflecting on, you know, the how to put yourself out there, how to sell your services. And it was interesting when I was in corporate, 
there was this way of selling that I just did. And when I did it, I felt like me. I was authentic. I was successful. I built strong relationships. When I tried to do it another way, it was not very successful. (laughs) I felt like I was trying to contort myself into being someone I wasn't and um, trying to, it's almost like this pressure filled, um, making clients buy stuff that maybe they didn't need, or maybe they didn't want. And it it always felt um, um, misaligned in some way. And and eventually when I found my way of how to sell, I, I was extremely successful and eventually led sales teams, moved into sales strategy, and eventually becoming a leadership, a sales leadership coach as well in that work. But then when I started my business, it was like I got amnesia. It's like I forgot about all those sales skills. And it was like I was starting back from scratch. I thought I had to do it a certain way. I thought I had to, you know, I looked to the experts on what they recommended and, you know, do this funnel and do this approach and do this webinar series. And it was just like I I tried them, but they weren't working. And what I finally reckoned to and remembered, I'm going to say what I finally remembered was that, that this way of selling that I felt uh, was true to uh, a way to be successful was something that other people can value and get benefit from, but we're all we're also struggling with that some of these other more traditional ways of selling didn't feel congruent to who they were. They are individuals who are very, I'll say empathetic, they want to connect and they want to serve. They put their clients in front of everything that they do. They really want to help them. And they look at their work as it means more than the transaction that they're doing. It's not just about the mortgage or the investment advice or the dental supplies that they're selling. They're actually looking at their work as a way to bring more meaning into their life. And And so looking back at all of that, I'm like, well, I want to offer people a different way, a better way of selling, that this was a very viable strategy and way to be authentic in business, be empathetic with our clients and bring more purpose. And as a result, you can build a very profitable business. What's so fascinating is when we start our own businesses, because I had that experience years ago of starting my own business and looking outward to all the other ways in which people are doing it, as opposed to saying, well, what's going to work for me? What's going to resonate with me and my clients? So I really admire uh, not only that you finally wrote this book and that you, you know, certainly found your groove by the time I had met you, but that you had the... I'm going to say it. You have the balls to call it sell from love. (laughs) That's huge. (laughs) It is. And it was, and even calling it sell from love, I I think again, yeah, it took, it was like a baller move. Yes. Um, (laughs) Because what I also wanted it to be, I wanted it to be, you know, I have in front of me, I have the, 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 you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. The last line is love never fails. And when I think about a business model and our aspirations to make change in the world, why not depend on a system that would not fail us? And knowing that love would never fail us was the the cornerstone I wanted it to be on. Now, the book does talk about the opposite of what love isn't. And it's not like, you know, it's not hate or dislike or indifference. It's actually fear. And so that's the place where when we sell from fear, it doesn't, 
you know, it feels like we need to prove ourselves. There's a lot of, you know, need to please or perfection. There might be even that sense of fear of missing out. I got to, I got to do this because you know what? Other people are going to get in on it before I do. So I got to make my mark. Or So when we notice fear in our paradigm, when we're selling, that's a telltale sign that we're not selling from love. And then how do we come back to the core of the principles of what it means to sell from love, which the three are love yourself, love your client and love your offer. And that won't, uh, again, lead you, lead you astray. Well, what I, what I love about that is the idea that it's easy to know, or maybe, well, I find it easy to know if I'm in fear, if I'm in scarcity mode, and it doesn't feel very good, but it certainly is a way in which a lot of us find ourselves in business trying to sell, whether that's you're in a new business whether you work for another firm and they have a more traditional sales model, or you are experiencing, like we're experiencing now, selling in a pandemic, which depending on what side of the financial curve you've fallen on this pandemic can make you feel a little bit more fearful. So, so how do you teach people to identify that fear and know when they're not in that place where they're selling authentically? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, when you look at, you're, you're absolutely you're right, you look at the environmental situations that we've all been confronted, even though you might be saying to yourself, no, I don't, I'm, I'm not feeling fear. <laughs> I'm not feeling fear. I'm going to say all of us are susceptible to fear because it's in our environment. It's built in. You just turn on the radio, you listen to a couple of snippets of what's going on in the world. We've got this, you know, pandemic happening. You've got even a change in how we're doing business. You know, we used to be able to see each other face to face as advisors, consultants, you know, service-based professionals going out there. We could build business, we could build relationships by meeting our clients for a cup of coffee. And then over time, we don't have those luxuries anymore. And then, you know, you, on top of it, you you scroll through a little bit of your Instagram feed and somewhere subconsciously you know, a not enough message might be brewing that is not even in our awareness. What I always look at is, you know, really starting to recognize, you know, what might not be, what is not working in your business today? <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I wish I could be putting myself out there more on LinkedIn or more on Instagram or just reaching out to five clients proactively a week. And if your sentence starts with, well, I don't have time because of, you know, one, two, three, unless you're like your, your revenues are like flooding you and you're, you're overwhelmed with clients. Um, you know, that's probably a good reason why you might not be able to do those things, but we can always work around those. But looking at like, you know, if we start making like, I don't have time for it, or I wish I had certain resources or even acknowledging I get anxious or I'm afraid that, you know, people might not say yes, people might not like it. I might get judged. Those would be some of the things we'd be looking for. I noticed it really in my business and with me last year after the pandemic hit hit. I'm very grateful that I was able to have, I'm going to say the honor of writing this book because for me, it, it helped me stay in alignment to what I know I, my work was here to do. But as soon as the pandemic hit, I was just coming off of teaching a business coaching program with a group of professionals um, and the program was coming to an end at the end of June. And I had made a commitment 
that I would spend the rest of the summer fin- doing the finishing touches to get the book ready for the fall for fall publishing. And it was very interesting. <laughs> you know, the pandemic hit and all of a sudden, and it's so subtle. Um, so this is again, what, what are you paying attention? So this is how you can pay attention to what might be happening to you to notice this is fear taking over. I started, and this was over about a two week period. I started having conversations with myself around, all right, you know what? I, I, I'm going to get the book done over the summer. That's important. Yes. But I really need to relaunch this program. I should launch another program and get that going. <laughs> <laughs> right, you start laughing, Sorry to right? laugh, but it's like, you know, I used to rearrange the condiments in my refrigerator and know, well, maybe there's a little bit of anxiety or fear about writing this chapter. Exactly, exactly. So you could see what your actions are. So for me was, I wanted to launch another program, which I was rationalizing, you know, I got to make money, but if fear was actually holding me back, it was fear was fueling that, fueling that program launch. I really didn't want to launch another program. I just thought I was the thing I needed to do. And I remember having conversations with my husband actually. And he's looking, I didn't even actually have a, he's looking at me. He's like, what's up with you? He's like, you're all over the place. You're like busy again. You're, you're so, you know, in your head a lot. And, and so that's another place like our family members and people who know us well, will also notice when we're out of alignment. And at first it was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. What are you talking about? I know, I know I'm, I'm all Okay. But then I actually sat down and I'm like, oh no, this is like, this is urgent, fast, busy work that I'm creating for myself. So I stay away from the book. Uh, So I don't finish the book. Um, And I'm using fear of, you know, the environment that I was in, because we were in that start of the pandemic and fear of maybe not making money to derail me from my long-term vision, my long-term goal, which was finish this book this summer. So I have something for the, you know, the next 10 years of my life and my business that I'm working towards. And so that was another, you know, an example of just, you know, fear is very subtle and it doesn't want to get noticed, but it can be noticed, you know, in this, you know, my example of, you know, all of a sudden, are you, are you, are you sorting out your pantry or are you trying to <laughs> fill out your calendar up with busy work so you don't do your important work? Or it might be just things like, are what are the, I, I don't like using excuses because it makes us feel bad. So what are some of the reasons, rational reasons? We're saying we don't have time to put ourselves out there, time to post an article on LinkedIn or to reach out to clients proactively. Those are telltale signs that fear might be in the room and we just sit down and have a conversation with ourselves to kind of see what's, what's triggering that and how we can manage through it. Hey, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I just wanted to tell you about my Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. If you find negotiating fees and salaries anxiety provoking, you're going to want to check out my online courses in the Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. I will help you conquer your fear of negotiating, help you break money silence, and ultimately help you be more confident in asking and earning your worth. Each of the lessons are easily digestible, video lessons, as well as handouts. You'll get concrete action items. And once you finish the course, you'll have an opportunity to do a free laser coaching call with yours truly, me. So definitely check out the Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. Go to breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating. I hope to see you there. 
Well, that's super helpful because I think a lot of times people won't notice those behaviors or, or won't realize, oh, maybe that's part of me not wanting to do something. And like you said, it takes other people in our lives. Sometimes it takes self-reflection to realize what you're doing. And I try to be compassionate with myself when I'm in those modes. I have used my sense of humor to kind of be like, okay, I don't think, like I've never had to alphabetize the mustard, mayo, <laughs> and ketchup. Like Maybe, you know, I'm a trained clinician. Maybe something's going on. But one of the parts of the book that I really resonated with me and I loved was the part in the book where you talk about moving from your comfort zone to your courage zone. Now, self-disclosure, in the first book I ever wrote, which many people don't know about, it was a co-written book in the field of healthcare, there was a chapter called Stepping Outside, One Step Outside Your Comfort Zone. So there's part of it is like, oh, I get that. I get that concept. But when I read the book and how it applies, it, it, the courage zone and how it applies to business, I was really struck by that. And, and so I want you to talk a little bit about the courage zone and how in particular you think that might apply to women entrepreneurs or women who are in business that are intrapreneurs. Mm -hmm. So the going from your comfort to your courage zone is, it's like a, a three-tier model. So there are activities and things that we are doing that are in our comfort zone. So they feel easy. We don't have to think twice about them. They're, they're just innate. They're, they're, they don't take a lot of heavy lifting. And our, and our brain actually loves that work because it doesn't have to think. It doesn't expend calories. Um, it's most of the stuff that's in our subconscious, super easy to do. The next layer after that, so when we get outside of our comfort zone, so picture that as a, like a medium-sized circle. And then around that, we're going to make a little bit of a bigger circle, maybe an inch out of that diameter, another circle. And this is what's called on the edge of your comfort zone. These are tasks and activities that you want to be doing. However, they take you outside of your comfort zone. They feel a little bit uncomfortable, might be something new that you're doing. Maybe you're comfortable posting articles on your blog and on your website. That's a comfort zone uh, task or activity. But now all of a sudden, you know, we're in a virtual world and you need to attract new clients and you can't go to the coffee shop or meet them, you know, at a, at a, at a networking event, you need to be posting on LinkedIn. So on the edge might be posting the articles on LinkedIn, which have now exposure to not just people that are on your email list that have said, yes, I'd love to hear from you. They're actually people that may not know you exist or didn't realize that you wrote articles and had these insights. And so now all of a sudden, that's a little bit outside your comfort zone on this edge because it's putting you in environments of people you don't know who'll be looking at it. And, you know, will they give you a like? Will they comment? What would they think of you? So that, that kind of makes it a, a little bit more uncertain. And then the third layer, so now let's draw another, a bigger circle around the edge. And this is what I call your courage zone. This is beyond your comfort zone. So these are things that are a little bit heavier to lift. <laughs> they feel a lot, there's a lot of discomfort with them. They're things that you want to be doing. For instance, you know, I'll use the same example. Right now you're publishing an article on your blog. The next one will be the on the edge is let's actually publish an article on LinkedIn, maybe out of your comfort zone, like in that courage zone, you want to be publishing articles in an industry publication, or it could be getting on, on, on a stage and speaking about your topic or your expertise. 
that is the stretch. That is the courage zone. And so what I often recommend for clients is it's very difficult for us to go from our comfort zone to our courage zone. That is a lot of work for our brain. That is also uh, makes it very easy for selling from fear to happen, which means, you know, the part of our brain, the old brain that's saying, hey, this is really scary. We've never done this before. What are you thinking? (laughs) Like, don't do this. What are people going to say? That system will hold us back from going out and getting the, putting the article in that industry publication or on that stage. And it makes us sit in our comfort zone. So what I always encourage people to do is let's actually go to the edge move. What is the edge move you can do that inch, that, that inch circle above your comfort zone. And in this case, let's just start getting comfortable with posting on LinkedIn. And what often happens, I'm going to say hands down, what always happens is The LinkedIn article, you post three, four of them, and your brain realizes, oh, nothing bad's happened. The world at an end. I'm still running a very profitable business, but guess what? I got three more leads out of this LinkedIn article. And so now we've primed our brain to get used to this. And all of a sudden, posting on LinkedIn is a comfort zone movement. And now what moves from your edge is that thing that was in your courage zone. It slips into the edge and now it feels a whole lot. It's not as big of a lift to go submit an article for an industry publication or to put yourself on a panel for an industry event or on stage to speak on a topic. I love that. That's so, first of all, the visual is useful. Um, and you know, based on my background in behavioral change, a lot of what I used to do when I was a clinician was help people take these small baby steps towards change. And that's exactly what you're talking about, but doing it in a really concrete, doable way. And, you know, one of the areas that I obviously talk a lot about, because I've worked through this for myself, is the whole idea of getting outside your comfort zone or getting in that edge area around receiving money or being financially successful. And so when I started my business, KBK Wealth Connection, one of the things I had had a struggle with, which is ironic because now I talk about wealth psychology and I you know, am really passionate about empowering women to negotiate better. But in the beginning, I found it really hard to receive the money. So doing the work, putting myself out there, but there was something about putting myself out there and being financially paid well for it that was probably edge or courage zone. And so I'm wondering, I mean, that was my experience and I worked through it by, you know, working on my money psychology, understanding my money story, taking action. Sometimes you just have to do it. But I'm wondering in your journey, have you ever had that type of struggle around, you know, getting out of your comfort zone when it comes to your financial success? No, not at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. This podcast (laughs) interview has ended. Of course, of course. I'm going to first say, you know what, Kathleen, I think what makes you a phenomenal coach and teacher and a guide when it comes to money, psychology and behavior and and our building a strong relationship with money, as well as how do we as leaders negotiate money to get the money we deserve is the fact that you've been also an avid, you know, I say a dedicated student to the work. And I think as as people that go out there teaching other people through our expertise, it beca- it's super important that, you know, you know what it's like to walk in, you know, the women that are struggling to negotiate or the leaders that want to be paid more, but 
they are afraid of talking about their money story and you know your mission around breaking that money silence i think is so powerful and empowering because you walk the talk you teach and preach at the same time like it's it's part of your dna and how you show up so i think that you know it's it's such a you know kudos to you on the work that you do but when it comes to my money story and learning, I was about to say, are we going to get to your money story? We will, we will, we will. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, hands down. And I'm going to say also, if I can add that, like with any comfort to courage moment, it's an ongoing story that I, from my experience, it, I'm, it's something that I'm continually learning how to strengthen my relationship with money and really having that notion of like just seeing it as a resource it's like time it's a it's like you know a building supply it's a resource that i get have access to but how do i become more willing to to have it to hold it and that was my particular practice so just a, a you know a cliff notes version of my money story growing up i had the experience that either we had lots of money and we had you know you know, a nice home and fancy clothes, or we didn't have money. And so we had this sort of roller coaster relationship. So we had it and then we didn't have it. The other place of what was happening with money in my upbringing was that as fast as it came in was just as fast as it came, it left. So no matter how much I made, Kathleen, when I became an adult, so if I made 50000 or $320,000 a year, it didn't matter. At the end of the year, I was always paycheck to paycheck. And it was the most absurd thing. It's like, how did this happen? Like, you know, well over six figures and I'm still have the same amount of my bank account. What's wrong with this picture? And that was like, just going through that experience was for me was this like line of sight of something's like, there's a story I have about money, my relationship with money that I need to start working on. And so my comfort zone was paycheck to paycheck. Yes. Yep. Right. My edge was having the ability to hold money. And so it first started with the ability to hold $10,000 in my account, you know, on the, uh, courage moment, like that was 25,000. That was too far of a stretch. And so what I was practicing and learning is how do I feel deserving enough to hold $10,000 that it doesn't, as fast as it came in, it doesn't have to go out that I, you know, start allowing myself and my brain to experience seeing a new story with money. And over time, you know, 10,000, the cut that went into my comfort zone and on the edge slipped in the 25,000. How do I learn how to hold 25,000? And, and so that was kind of my practice of, um, so mine was as fast as it, I had a belief around as fast as it came in was as fast as it left and really allowing myself to, you know, retrain my experience of, I can hold, I deserve to have, I deserve to not spend <laughs> as much as I, you know, as quickly as it came in. And so really looking at it as a resource from that perspective was, was a big shift for me. Well, I think it's so fascinating to hear different money stories because we can, on the outside, look one way. And then, you know, our money story is so unique to us. I mean, I've heard a story similar, but really my story was so different in that it was, I had trouble 
even accepting income for something I enjoyed. So somehow it was paired where if you do work that you really love, then you should suffer <laughs> mm-hmm. by not being paid well. I giggle because that's like so Irish in my family. So I actually had buttons printed up at the beginning of my career as part of a workshop I did, but part of it was because I needed them as well that said practice receiving. And mm-hmm. so I really encourage people. And it sounds like for you, the practice of receiving was practice receiving and keeping, but to practice receiving financial success. And I think Absolutely. for a lot of us, that can be so complicated. And, and whether you come from wealth or whether you come from a lower socioeconomic status, it doesn't seem to matter in my experience. It's more, what are we telling ourselves around money? So that's a great example of how you went from comfort zone to the edge to the courage zone. So thank you so much for for that, because I know not every guest that comes on truly breaks money silent. So I appreciate that, Finca. Oh, you're welcome. I think, you know, that that's the the power of, you know, how do we make change is let's actually art- articulate what the problem and the challenge is. And, you know, I one of the mantras that I continually and I write about it in the book around, you know, I am open and allow myself to receive and then whatever that is. And having that, like you had your buttons, I had the mantras written down and just sensing what it would be like to hold. Like I had, and it's so fascinating. Like I have no problem. Like this is, you know, this is what I sell. This is the product. This is the service. This is how much it costs. And it was like, I'm easy to sell, 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 but then I can't keep, keep, keep. (laughs) So it was like, and there, you know, it's it's just fascinating how each of us have a different version of that um, money story and that relationships. And I, and I'll also say it's also very, not temporal, but it's it's dynamic. It, it shifts and changes depending on where we are in our in our journey and our leadership. Oh, absolutely. I think you know that's one of the things that I certainly want people to know is, especially using kind of the framework that we're talking today, that that the more you move into your courage zone, there's other things that then you have to kind of get to your edge again because it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But then you get to live a fuller and fuller life. I just love. I mean, I love you. I love the book sell from love. And I just want you, before we say where people could buy the book or check out your work, you know, if you had to give one nugget or one piece of advice to listeners, and I know this isn't an easy question, but what would it be? What would you want them to hold on to after this interview today? I'm going to go back to the self from love principles. Number one, love yourself, meaning love who you are all those parts of you, the goodness and those parts that you'd like to change, figure out how to love it and be kind and compassionate to yourself. Number two is love your client, meaning they are there waiting for you to serve them and you want to help them and figuring out how you can help them by understanding what their needs and their problems and their challenges are. And then the third is loving your offer. No matter what we're selling, if we're selling, it's going to say toothpaste, or if we're selling financial advice, or if we're selling you know, investment solutions or dental supplies, we need to look at the work we're doing as an extension of our purpose. And so looking at your offer, loving it that much, that realizing that that's the vehicle you're using to make change and positive impact. So I know I gave you three, but they're so easy. Like love yourself, love your client and love your offer would be what I would say. Well, I love the three of them. And so tell listeners where they can buy your book and where they can find out more about what you're up to. 
Wonderful. Uh, so the book Sell From Love is available on Amazon. And if you wanted to learn more about me or about the Sell From Love book, uh, you can visit sellfromlove.com or even listen to the Sell From Love podcast. Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. So thank you so much, Finca, for breaking money silence with me today. It's always a pleasure to connect. Likewise, Kathleen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.